Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. What am I congratulating you for, yet. David? I don't know yet. I think the listeners are dying to find out. That's good, because they're about to. So, David, <laughs> we have been nominated for a meaningless award <laughs> uh, called the Podcast called the podcast awards okay i'm so happy you said that so i don't have to yeah oh absolutely <laughs> uh now it's the it's the third time that more than one lesson has been nominated in the religion that's, category yeah, that's your other podcast that's my other podcast you'll hear about it at the end of the show uh because I, I imagine there are people who don't listen to the end of the show oh i'm sure i have no doubt of that uh yeah i have another show everybody it's called more than one lesson and, uh, and that's been nominated in, in the religion category three years in a row, and this is the third year. Uh, but this is the first year that Battleship Pretension has been nominated. Uh, it, it's it's it, in yeah. the movie uh, TV category. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll say this. While the awards, I, I'm the first one to say they don't mean much. Mm-hmm. Um, At the same time, we clearly deserve it more than anyone else in our category. Ah, film spotting's in there. Oh, we're better than they are. Oh, okay. So much better. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, what I will say, though, is that uh, is that the, the slightest, if there is any honor, it is being nominated. If you can win, it means that you have, that you're able to mobilize listeners, and that means you have a lot of listeners, and that's good. That's a, it's a reflection of how you're doing, and that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but as far as, like, people reviewing your content and deciding oh this is pretty good this deserves a spot mm-hmm. that's that's what the nominees are is i think they said that like 2600 podcasts total were submitted and it's interesting because he Wait, goes did you submit us uh yeah oh and and uh, and like various facebook friends did as well oh okay so um but they, he it's interesting what he said is he, he said like he goes you know a lot of the stuff that was submitted wasn't a podcast. There was no RSS feed. It was just like a, like YouTube videos. Or it was something that you could listen to on the person's site, but there was no feed. Um, so I, it got, I got the impression that a lot of those 2,600 submissions were culled right there. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, then it, and then he has like a a team of like 50 people who take certain categories and listen to the, the actual podcasts. And so the nomination does mean something. It actually does mean something. I didn't know that. Well, thanks Todd at all. Yeah. So it, it's not only does it mean that we actually do have a working RSS feed. It also (laughs) means that someone actually seemed to enjoy the show. So, so that's, so in spite of my own insults towards everything associated with the podcast (laughs) awards, um, it is kind of neat to be uh, nominated after all these years. And uh-huh. so uh, voting is happening right now, If uh, and it will go until, I think, October 20, I think 27th, and you can actually vote once a day. So if you want to go over to podcastawards.com and vote for Battleship Pretension, and hey, while you're there, don't let anyone stop you from heading on over to that religion inspiration category, clicking on more than one lesson. Go ahead and submit that thing. Inspiration is a rather broad term. It sure is. And I think that's uh, I think that's how they were able to incorporate la- the last few years, not this year, though, how they were able to incorporate a lot of uh, skepticism and atheism 
podcasts into the religion category because mm-hmm. these podcasts had very strong opinions on religion, but they were definitely anti-religion. But I yeah. guess some people could find that inspirational. So I think that's how they got worked in. But now uh, they're all over in the science category. So, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so yes, uh, so thanks for everybody who uh, submitted us, and uh, and so if you want to help us uh, win this thing, I guess I don't know. Um, go to, <laughs> go to uh, podcastwords.com well, once a day. Based on what you just told me about the nomination pro- uh, process, and as we've already as we've demonstrated week in week out for two hundred and thirty nine weeks, uh, we're better than all the podcasts that are more popular than ours. No I, question I, I, about I was it. just talking about film spotting and how awful it is. <laughs> I hope everybody that uh, the laughter that we are uh, engaging in lets you know we're all j- we're joking. We have nothing against Matt Singer. We have nothing against film spotting. And yeah, we definitely have nothing against uh, film spotting. I have been listening since uh, what is it? I've been listening for four years. Uh, I love I, I love film spotting, and I actually haven't listened in a, in a while for uh, reasons of my own. None of them having to do with the fact that it's. You know that I think we're better than they are. They're a really good show, right, but we are better. Oh, there's no question about it. Yeah. yeah, as indicated by the last you know seven minutes or whatever, uh-huh. which is completely unlistenable. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I've been having such a blast. It's a good thing I that was, this. <laughs> I was not in the most energetic mood when I came in here. You tonight sure weren't because I work in an office, and people who work in offices know that. Uh, other people who work in offices will jump at any chance to set out a bowl of candy or a fucking cake or anything. To oh yeah, eat, there's which, a great Seinfeld about that. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of annoying when I'm trying to. I've been try- I had a New Year's resolution to lose 25 pounds. 25 pounds. All right. And I lost 20. Yeah. Then I went to New Orleans and some other stuff. I kind of and then I stopped going to the gym and I kind of bounced back up to where I was only down 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Now I'm back down to being down 15 pounds, and it's fucking October, and I gotta lose another 10 pounds by the end of the year. I don't think it's gonna happen, and it's definitely Christmas not gonna happen. Candy canes coming up. Well, it's gonna happen around Halloween when there's a a, a damn bowl of 100 grand uh, candy bars and 100, 100 grand. grand I hadn't had them in years. They're so good. That's a good. That's a good candy bar. Uh, so anyway, I ate a shit ton of candy bars <laughs> at work today. <laughs> I was all amped up like a little kid, uh, you know, who uh, snorted a pixie stick. Um, and then on the drive over here, I was about halfway down the hill on Coldwater Canyon, and that crashed. I was like, oh, I am. You mean that you crashed, like, as far as your energy I level? You it didn't crash. It crashed. Yeah. Okay, as not in, your car. Like, my, my sugar high crashed. Okay, yeah. I see. No, my car is. Uh, I was going to say fine, but it's the same hunk of junk it there was you go. Uh, 45 minutes ago or whatever. Um,. So I was, yeah, I was in the kind of a, a mopey, like, I was just tired when I got here. Yeah. And then uh, you rip it on the podcast awards and this, you Three. know, if we don't get nominated next year. Oh, yeah. It's because of this. They heard this episode yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, they're like, oh, okay. Uh, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why? That meanness makes me so happy because i do it with a smile and there's a certain degree of self-deprecation there right because it's like hey everybody look what we've been nominated for it doesn't mean <laughs> it it means it means something but it's not really it's not prestigious or anything like that now um 
before we get into the topic, I want to talk about something else we do better than anybody else, and that's review movies on our website. Um, uh, no, all, all, all joking aside, or most joking aside, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the website. It's mm-hmm. become our, our goal. We, we had uh, Tyler and I had a year or more ago talked about the idea of having the website not just be the website of the podcast but being mm-hmm. a part of the battleship retention name right as a whole and i think um thanks to uh you know sean who helped us redesign but also thanks to the writers whom i've named on the show before um it really has become that it's become yeah. something that is um updated with some regularity and that really reflects uh, our our brand, I guess, is the word that I'd say. That's about right. Yeah. Yes. Um. And 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 I really think you know today, as the day of recording is Thursday, uh, October thirteenth. Um. And of the movies opening tomorrow, we have reviews up for for Footloose, for The Thing, for The Man Nobody Knew, and for Pedro Almodovar's The Skin I Live In. Mm-hmm. That's the best review on the site because I wrote it. Um. Really? Is that the thing you're taking? Is it? That, that's the best one of the weekend because I wrote it. Hmm. Okay. Well, I've no, written I'm... the most reviews of anyone on the website because I'm the best at it. Absolutely. Now, that's podcast award thinking right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because <laughs> if you get the most of something, it means you're the best. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, we, we have, you know, um, home video, you know, DVD and Blu-ray reviews. We do... Um, movie recommendations just things that we like that we think more people should see you mm-hmm. know be it something obscure or maybe something like i recent my recent one was six degrees of separation the fred scapizzi film i'm not sure you say his last name which isn't exactly an obscure film it was nominated for an oscar and stuff but it's kind of been i, I, I think a lot it's of kind people have forgotten yeah i don't think people really know 93 and especially since i a lot of our listeners are probably about our age they yeah. were 11 when the movie came out or, or so and um uh may not have have thought about it. So the, there's movie rec- recommendations like that. I think, uh, I, I, I really want it to be a place that people, a destination for mm-hmm. people who think about movies the way we do. And there's, you know, comment sections. You can discuss anything. I will, Tyler and I will discuss with you. If you comment on our, sure. Uh, we have in the past. Yeah. Uh, if you're negative or positive enough, you'll get a response from me. <laughs> um, I'm really happy with the website, and I really do. I, I know I've plugged it on the show before, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think I, we've said it in these terms that in our minds now, the website is as much a thing as the podcast. Yeah. I know. And- I, I honestly spend a lot more time each week on website stuff. And I actually, I actually don't. Aside, well, I mean, I, I post everything, but I haven't really gone to a screening in a long time. I haven't really written anything in a long time because I've been focusing on other things. But that that might change sometime in the future. But uh, but yeah, it is it is exciting. Um, it's sort of uh, while I do love the podcast, and there are days when it's there's nothing better. Like I get a certain response from a listener. Um, or you and I have a certain type of conversation and I just think like, man, oh man, why would anybody not want to do this? <laughs> it, it, you know, and I don't, I say that, uh, all joking aside, like it's just, 
or more specifically, why am I ever not doing this with my life ever? Like, why am I just not talking about <laughs> movies all the time on microphone? Um, but uh, so I enjoy it a lot. But the recent developments with the website, I think, have re- has sort of re-energized uh, both of us. Even if I'm not writing very much, I, I'm still a part of it. Um, and yeah, and Battleship Pretension is no longer just a thing that comes out every Sunday night, Monday morning. Right. Like, it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. And we don't post as often as, you know, uh, uh, a slash film or, or like, right. these, these bigger sites. Because um, we don't have their staff or resources. Right. Uh, but also because our scope is a little narrower. Yeah. We're, we also- we're essentially just doing reviews and occasion- occasional features that uh, if... If any of our writers ever wants to write anything, we always, yeah. you know, we've got a James Bond feature going on. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happened with Kubrick in reverse. Did that, uh, did that uh, conclude? No, I don't okay. think so. I think I think now there's just a lot of things out there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it's essentially what this. It's a companion piece to this show, which is that it's not. Um, we don't really we don't review movies on the show actually, but mm-hmm. we also don't talk about movie news on the show. Right, and you won't get movie news on the website either. Like, and that's what uh, I was there. There's plenty of great resources. I already mentioned slash film. There's plenty of great resources out there uh, for movie news. Um, I, I think we felt that with people like that already having a voice, mm-hmm. we don't really have anything to bring to that. But what we do have is our point of view and our writer's point of view. And that, that, that is unique to each of us. And it's also uniquely battleship pretension. And, and that's, that's what's on the website. Now. Yeah. My absolute, I'll do respect to slash film. I don't think any other site does what they do better. Like they, oh, yeah. they, you know, geek tyrants pretty good. They post some, some fun stuff, but, um, but yeah, it's what I, we don't have their staff or their resources, but we also don't have their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that they're responsible for. One of them is like, hey, there's a new trailer out. Here's what it is. What do we think of it? We don't have to do that. You know? And so so it frees us up to do other things. And and I apologize. I, I don't want to make it sound as though we are patting ourselves on the back and be like, hey, what a great site. But what I'm excited about is that people have embraced the site and embraced it for what it is instead of demanding that it be something else. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of this, a lot of this, I guess, is you know being grateful to not merely our bloggers. Of course, that's a huge deal, but also the listeners for actually going along with us in this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, David says that you know we could always use more feedback, and we appreciate it when we get it because it big like I know for, because we get feedback on the podcast. I know and am so appreciative of the fact that there are uh, a fair number of people out there who look forward to the podcast every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want the website to be that too. I want them to Wednesdays and Thursdays as the and and uh, into Fridays if there's been some sort of embargo uh, as the reviews are going up. I want that to be like, oh, I wonder what Battleship Pretension has to say about the movies that are coming out this weekend, or yeah. or if there's a new you know uh, uh, a new Criterion release, or if you're going to go on Amazon and buy, you want to buy a DVD and maybe. Go to our home video reviews or our movie recommendations, and maybe it'll be something you'll get inspired to buy something you hadn't either hadn't heard of or hadn't considered buying right. before. I, I want it to be a resource and a place with the comments. I want it to be a place for discussions like the ones that you and I have on the show to happen 
the larger forum. Mm-hmm. I know we have the forum, but we sure do. <laughs> but the comments are actually on our website. Yeah. Um, and part of me feels like, well, that's. I was about to have like a like a business conversation on air, which we're not going to do. But um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so yeah, we do. We appreciate that, and there is going to be. Watch as I transition into the topic. I was going to transition to the topic. You go right ahead. You're well, usually better with this kind of thing. Um, I mean, there, there's a reason that I. It was my idea to talk about the website at length at the top of the show, um, and there's a reason I picked this show to do it. Because this show is specifically related to the website. We, mm-hmm. a little over a month ago, uh, put out a call, as we have done twice before, mm-hmm. with um, Top 100 Movies and Top 100 Movie Characters, right. for Battleship Pretensions, highly intelligent, highly astute, cultured, and tasteful listeners. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic I'm not, right now. Okay. I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> right. I said, I, the sarcasm... Sarcasm was at the beginning of the show, and it was all for film spotting and, uh, you know, uh, Todd, lazy-ass Cochrane. <laughs> um, that's what the sarcasm was for. Um, this is very sincere. We, we put out a call for our, uh, you know, very intelligent listeners to put together, send us their picks for these lists. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, we did, we did Top 100 Movie Characters, which was in... Uh, true battleship pretension snotty uh, <laughs> form. Uh, we did it in a, response. A, a direct fuck you to Empire Magazine's top 100 characters. That that list is so frustrating. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and I, th- I think we are... Assholes? I agree. I, I think we're... We're uh, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Like... I think we've got a chip on our shoulder yeah about the fact that we're maybe smaller and we've got we've got a real ego and a real mean streak yeah and what happened to him we are what happened to that character in goodfellas <laughs> i don't remember that's right yeah that's exactly who we adam are. quigley's and, gonna put a bullet in the back of our head <laughs> <laughs> he'd be the one to do it um uh anyway so we did the top 100 characters the top 100 movies and the newest one was the top 100 directors that list will be on the website as of Sunday. Is that sure. right? Sunday, um, October, whatever the Sunday is in a couple of days. 17th? 16th. October 16th. Sunday, October 16th. Yeah. And then uh, that will be the entire list. And then over the course of the next 10 days, uh, Tyler and I and uh, the, a number of the writers have, as we did in the past, have written little uh, paragraphs on our thoughts on... Mm-hmm. On these on these directors, and so there will be Battleship Pretensions thoughts on these directors coming yeah. out ten at a time over the next over the following ten days. But the whole right. list will be up there. Uh, you can see if if you voted, you can see if your where your votes yep. landed, or if if they missed the mark. You know, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, some of you Zack Snyder fans are not. <laughs> Not going to be pleased. We'll get there in a minute. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, that'll be up there. And so what we decided to do is uh, um, to just talk about the list. We're not going to give away everything here, but no. it's it'll, it will already be on the website by the time this episode drops, for at least by a few hours. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to talk about all hundred yeah, of Yeah, we're just going to sort of jump around. And, and yeah. this 
basically, this episode is kind of a long commercial for the website, and I'm kind of okay with that. I, I, I guess so, but it's not merely like, hey, go to our website and look at this stuff, because here's the thing, is like, a lot of these lists, to Empire's credit, uh, though I crapped on them with their character list, they at least have a write-up as to what's good about the character. And frankly, if they didn't have that, I don't know if if, if we would have done that with the character list. Um, because it's not enough to have a list. You sort of, you don't have to justify why so-and-so's on the list, but I think it helps to let, to kind of give people context. So what we're, what we've got is we have, you know, photo of the director along with some notable films that they've made. And that, that in itself can be very, I think, educational. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I wound up, uh, you know, I built my, some of my Netflix queue based on, the, this list of directors. Yeah, I believe you weren't that familiar with the work of Satoshi Kon. Not at all, really. Uh, the late Satoshi and great yeah. Satoshi Kon. I only knew of, of one of his films, which I hadn't seen. Which Tokyo Godfathers, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but he did um, Millennium Actress. Millennium right? Actress is my personal favorite. Yeah. Um, Perfect Blue was, I think, the one that really made his name okay. and is a lot of people's favorite of his mm-hmm. films. Let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. Let's we'll start by talking yeah, about we're, Satoshi we're Kon there already. Um, I was very happy to see him on the list, and I wonder, um, I, I, with a lot of these, I sort of find myself wondering why they got as many votes as they did, you know, and why they are, where they are on the list, and I wonder if Satoshi Kon were still alive, if he would have uh, gotten as many, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think he deserves to be on this list, uh, he, you know, when you've, even though he's only done, I think, uh... He's got four main films. I think there was another one he was in the middle of, and there might be a a sixth thing that I'm forgetting. But if if you've done four films, and they are Perfect Blue, Millennium Actress, Tokyo Godfathers, and Paprika, or Paprika, I don't know how you say it. Um, I think Paprika. Paprika. You're thinking um, of Caprica. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's That earns you... I mean, that's mm-hmm. a great batting average. You know, and that, that reminds me of, of something that I was thinking about. Because I submitted... I submitted 10 to this. There's no rule that says I can't. Um, really? I, d- I did not. Well, you know, get on board. Um, Maybe if I had, Joe Dante would be on this goddamn list. I think but one... I we'll think, get to our disappointments later. Right. Um, and it's interesting because there was somebody I was thinking of putting on the list based on one movie. Because he's only done one movie. Um... Let me guess. Is that movie Night of the Hunter? It is. All right. And it's a brilliantly directed film. And, and it's, it is such a unique vision. I can't think of another movie like it. It is such an unusual, such an unusual way to make a film. And Charles Lawton, the film did not do well. And Charles Lawton was sort of... You know, he went back to uh, acting, and he sort of was was scared away from directing, and that is very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And part of me feels like, well, I can't nominate, I can't submit somebody who's made one film, but at the same time, that one film is as notable and as fascinating as like four films, right? Not to mention, there's a lot of aspects to the story, and so it's almost like there's four short films in it, but it's, uh, 
in the end, I wound up not submitting him. But that is that is one of and the. He's big, not on the list. He's not on the list. Yeah. Uh, but like it just. I, and and I've gotten I got a lot of emails from people saying like oh it was so hard to to take this down to ten, and so I wanted to let everyone know that like as someone who also submitted ten like I do understand how frustrating it can be because you sort of want to give somebody their due that you know will never Charles Lawton will never show up on a list of directors ever ever because mm-hmm. he's only made one film, mm-hmm. and yet his film shows up on a lot of lists right. as it should. And so it's like, well, what do you do with that? And so it's 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 interesting really trying to pare down, okay, what do I think? Who should who should be on, who shouldn't, and how do I even begin to compare? And so with that, I do want to lead into something else. There okay. are a couple of directors who actually made the list. There's one in particular who his filmography is two films. Neither of them are Night of the Hunter or even Night of the Hunter caliber. <laughs> all right. Uh, and that's Ryan Johnson. Now, Brick is great. It's, it's a really great film. I think I've said multiple occasions it might be as close to a perfect film as I've ever seen. I have a couple of complaints with it, but here's what it wound up not what it isn't. It isn't a gimmick, which it easily could have been. Right. Full-fledged characters, wonderful performances, uh, put together well, incredibly well-written. Brick is a great film. Brothers Bloom, not really. There's a lot of things I like about it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not too... But I think it's just, as you'll often find... I've said before, the best thing that happened in Brothers Bloom when I saw it in the theater was that there was an earthquake. And that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. The theater shook. It was kind of fun. And the way, like, you get people, like, here there's earthquakes. It's not like you maybe hear growing up elsewhere there's earthquakes every week or something. Right. But they happen with enough frequency that, unless it's a big one, you're kind of like, oh, an earthquake. Like, oh, it's happening. Uh, yeah. Like, you don't, you're not going to get on the floor unless, like, shit starts falling off the wall. Yeah. But there are some people who either have never uh, gotten past that or maybe are new and it's their first earthquake. And there's a woman behind me at the Brothers Bloom. Like, the earthquake comes, like, the whole row is shaking, you know. Um, and then it passes. And just for the next, like, full, like, two minutes, this woman behind me is, like, whispering urgently, Why is everybody so calm? Why is everybody so calm? <laughs> that's delightful. So that's, uh, when I say that the earthquake was the best thing that happened, I'm not, it's not necessarily a slight against Brothers Bloom. It was pretty awesome, and yeah. it led to some pretty funny shit. Um, and the, the film is very, it's kind of convoluted as movies about con men frequently are. And there's a lot of fun things in it, but by and large, it's, it's, it certainly is, it's not as good as brick and it's a perfectly fine sophomore effort, but there's nothing that amazing about it. And when those are the only two movies he's done, I, I like to consider his inclusion on the list as sort of a, a promise, uh, and, and an assumption that he's going to do good things. Mm-hmm. So several people submitted him, and that surprised me, certainly enough to get him on the list. And I don't think he belongs on the list because he's made one great film and one that's only okay, right. and that's not enough. Plenty of, plenty of these directors have made films that are only okay, but they smother them with works of brilliance. Uh-huh. And so, um, well, and when it's one and one, that's not enough. So Yeah, you don't think... 
uh, or maybe I'm just saying what I believe. I don't think maybe he shouldn't be on this list by our opinion. Right. We'll get to that later. Um, but that doesn't mean that he wouldn't someday earn his way. You, you're not canceling out the possibility that he's Absolutely. one of the top 100 directors. We just don't know yet, is what you're saying. Yeah, get, give it uh, give it 10 years, maybe even fi- maybe 15. We'll see where he is. I'm sure he's going to crank out a number of really solid films. Yeah, um, I'm not saying he's a bad director. I just uh, don't think he belongs. I'm on looking here. forward to Looper. Um, and I don't know much about it. As I was researching this, I'm like, you know, because I was like, man, how many movies has, has he made? Two? Well, there's another one coming out. And I didn't know anything about uh-huh. it. What, what is it about? Uh, I don't know. I try to stay, you know, pretty fresh. But I know it's a science fiction movie. I think there's time travel involved and Bruce okay. Willis is in it. Okay. And that worked for 12 Monkeys. <laughs> so, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, I just, um, I... I get the impression from stories that I've read that um, Bruce Willis can take over a set in a bad way if a director doesn't have the uh, yeah the force of um, to, to, to you know to overpower him yeah um, but I think that uh, say we do about Brothers Bloom I think Ryan Johnson is very much a director who knows what he wants and is probably no question in control of his. Of his of his set, and in I think, control, passionate about his material mm-hmm. as well. And I think when someone can get Bruce Willis in line and on board with a thing, mm-hmm. he can be good. You know, I think. He's, oh yeah, like I said, I mentioned Twelve Monkeys, uh, The Sixth Sense. You look at Pulp Fiction. It, sure. You know, yeah. It's yeah. He's a, he's a very good actor with with the right director and the right material. I I also think I assume you're talking about Kevin Smith. Telling stories about cop out. Yeah. Okay. Kevin Smith is the first to tell you he did he did not believe in that material. Chances are Bruce Willis didn't believe in that material. So if everyone's just being like, okay, we're all getting a paycheck, then yeah, Bruce Willis is probably going to just be in it to whatever's going to whatever makes him happy is what it's all mm-hmm. about. But I think when you have material that everybody believes in, then everyone's like, I'll sacrifice myself a little bit, my own ego a little bit, mm-hmm. if it means serving yeah. the material. What uh? Where did Kevin Smith come in on this list? Uh, hang on, let me. <laughs> um, oh, he's not on it. Oh, uh, it was know, he was not submitted once. Um, <laughs> wow. So speaking of Ryan Johnson and like maybe younger directors that mm-hmm. there's one on here. When you say younger, do you mean just an age or as far I, as I, I guess I should say newer, newer okay. people with less output. There's one on this list that I actually, if this were my top 100 list, would probably put him on, yeah. but not nearly as high. Right. Uh, and that's Edgar Wright. Because he's made three features. I guess there's one that I haven't seen that right. is hard to see uh, that he made a long time ago. But um, he's made three feature films, and they're all fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's just... Um, but to a certain extent, like, the bloom is still on the rose a little bit here, and we need some distance yeah uh, you know to uh, to to be sure yeah um but like i said i love and i, and I think that uh scott pilgrim versus the world is his best film so he's moving in the right direction so i think there's every chance that in decades to come he could earn the uh rather high spot that he has on this list uh if this were my list he'd be a little lower yeah um 
Should we even bother saying placements? He's high. I, we, we haven't named any specific numbers okay. yet, so I think we should steal or steal okay. clear of that. Uh, yeah, that. Edgar Wright is is surprisingly high on the list, and I'm not sure if I would include him on my list, but even more so than Ryan Johnson. It's like I'll give him. It's like if he does two more movies the way he's been doing this, by all means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's because man, that's a director who knows how to direct, and he knows how to get what he wants. Yeah. If this were if this were a list of like the top, let's say 50 comedy directors, I'd put him in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Because he knows what to do to get what he needs. Um, uh, but it makes me wonder I think the reason he's so high and got such passionate support is because just like Satoshi Kon died last August, mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim just came came out last August. It's still very fresh in people's minds, and that's probably why yeah. there was so much passion yeah. for him. And I also, also, we talked about Scott Pilgrim pretty much every week for <laughs> yeah. about three months last yeah. year, so <laughs> there's probably that, too. Um, I put that on you. You know, I, I also, uh, like, someone that I think maybe even a year and a half to two years ago wouldn't have made it on this list, even though he would deserve it mm-hmm. is olivia Isaias, who yeah. did but i think the sort of uh one two punch of summer hours and then the highly successful and uh something that got a lot of press carlos mm-hmm. um really put him at the forefront of people's minds and he i think he very much belongs on this list and that's that's one of the names i was rather happy to see yeah to see come up yeah uh i'm trying to think of ones that i was okay I, I realize that I'm kind of in the minority here, and even then, I'm not sure if I would incorporate her onto a top hundred list. But I'm I'm on board with what people were thinking, and that's Sofia Coppola. She's on mm-hmm. the list. Um, and by the way, there are uh, directors that are older than thirty on the list as well. But uh, right now, we're talking about fairly new people. Yeah, that's kind of what we are doing, and, and so, so we'll move toward the older. older so. Directors. Uh, I'm happy she's on the list because I think she has really. She's got four movies out now, not out. That you and can't she's go see. She's got to be older than thirty. She's probably older than thirty, yeah. But um, but she's got four movies. I like all of them. Some people really don't like Marie Antoinette. That's that's fine. I can understand why you wouldn't. But I loved Somewhere. I really like Marie Antoinette. I love uh, Lost in Translations and I, uh, Lost in Translation. And I really like Vir- uh, Virgin Suicides. And what's more is she has declared herself as a definite auteur. You mm-hmm. know when you're watching her film, mm-hmm. uh, watching a film that she's made, uh, she's as a writer. I think it's pretty clear too. But also just how she how she deals with characters that she you know she doesn't. She doesn't throw too much out there for you. You really kind of have to work to get to know these people. But, man, it's if you do the work, it pays off in spades. And so she's only made four films. So for that reason, I might not include her. But, man, they're four really, at the very least, compelling films. You know, they'll get a reaction from you. Um, she's not, you know... She's not on the list solely because she's Francis Ford Coppola's daughter. Right. She's got her own thing going, and yeah. she's great. Um, now we've been talking a lot about what our personal lists would look like Mm -hmm. and I want to make it clear that I'm glad that we got that we did it this way Mm -hmm. Um, because we're only two people and so our the more people you have the more that individual biases get watered down right and so uh, I'll be the first to admit it won't be 
a surprise to anyone that if it were my list, Wes Anderson wouldn't have a place on it. Right. And yet, objectively, I think he deserves a place on it. I'd say so. Even though I don't like his films outside of Fantastic Mr. Fox, um, I think he absolutely deserves to be... Uh, I thought you liked Royal Tenenbaums. I thought you really got behind that one. I wouldn't... No, I didn't really... I think it was... Until Fantastic Mr. Fox, it was the okay. one I disliked the least. Okay. But um, my thing about Royal Tenenbaums is that uh, it's like a... There's like a... Um, like a big family Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the grown-ups table and there's the kids table. Mm-hmm. And whenever we're at the grown-ups table, I'm really into it. And that's, you know... Gene Hagman, Gene Angelica Hagman, Houston. Angelica Houston, Danny Glover. Yeah. Uh, those... Those things are great. Whenever we're at the kids' table, I'm just annoyed. Okay, I disagree. I happen to li- that's my favorite of his films, actually. But uh, but yeah, he's yeah. That's a, that's a good example. Because um, yeah, I know you're not a fan of of his, but he's not going anywhere. And he, much like Sofia and, Coppola, he's got he's not, and he's highly influential. See the Brothers Bloom. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, and, I mean he's he's. I mean that's. Uh, I've made my peace, obviously, and I don't have a problem with how people feel about him. And I, it's a good thing I made my peace because in decades to come, I mean, he's going to be... I'm sure he already is the reason... Um, like, I think... Okay, the people we went to film school with, mm-hmm. uh, a, I'd say... This is a little reductive, but a great many of them were there because of Pulp Fiction. I'd say so, yeah. And I think the probably the generation... After us, who went to film school, a great many of them were probably there because of Wes Anderson. Hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's probably about right. I mean, he's he, yeah, he's he's probably will prove to be one of the most influential directors of all time. I think. Yeah, I would say I, I do think there's a lot of Wes Anderson in our generation as well because there was Rushmore and yeah. Bottle Rocket, but and I, those two were but enough. Saying, the people, people our age. By the time they saw Rushmore, mm-hmm. would have already probably been film fans. Yeah, uh, I think, think probably Tarantino Coen Brothers got our people on board, and then they yeah. found and that's then, true. That's yes. largely, I mean, that's a big part of. Obviously, it's not as simple as one film, but you know, I saw Pulp Fiction when it was new to VHS, mm-hmm. and so that was what I was in like eighth grade. Uh, that was. Yeah, I guess so. It was eye-opening. Eighth grade was a big year for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think that was when I first saw Barton Fink as well, which is... Yeah. If I had to boil it down to one film, it would be Barton Fink. Eighth grade? I, eighth or ninth grade? I don't I don't quite recall. Right around, maybe somewhere in between, uh, is when I saw Citizen Kane and Doctor Strange Love and a lot of my current favorite Square. movies. What was that? Square. <laughs> I'd seen this, those other ones, too. Yeah. Oh, I, no, Square I, because they're just old. Yeah, and I uh, it's it's t- it's my it's a problem of mine that it wasn't until later in high school and into college that I started to see those kinds of of movies. I don't think I saw Citizen Kane until my senior year of high school. You know what? Uh, I saw uh, Suck It. I think I saw Reservoir Dogs when I was eleven. All right, all right then. Before I, you even knew who Quentin Tarantino was, I was like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until my senior year of high school that I. Uh, discovered Orson Welles and discovered uh, Elia Kazan. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a he was a big one, even though, as I've said before, he will rot in hell for his crimes. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> uh, what what else did you want to talk about? Should we talk about some older directors? Should we use this as a segue? Uh, it seems like a, kind of a perfect segue into older directors. And uh, real quick, 
I had an older brother. That's why I saw Reservoir Dogs when I was 11. Um, it's not like I, as an 11-year-old, was like, what is this? <laughs> I just didn't want anyone to think that I'm being like, yeah, look how awesome I am. No, no, no. I had an older brother who corrupted me quite a bit. He listens to this. Uh, I really, I actually appreciate that. I got a lot of my tastes from him, uh, including Pink Floyd, Social Distortion, and Nine Inch Nails. So, um, okay. That's a weirdly varied, uh, respectably varied uh, yeah. list of bands you just named there. Yeah. Um, I, I did actually want to mention a couple others, because uh, you mentioned you know, personal preference and what that would have played into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even though I submitted 10 directors, so I guess there is a, a bit, a bit of myself in here. Um, it's not limited only to that. It's not like you, me, and maybe a couple of our bloggers put this list together. And so that means that there are some blind spots that we avoided. For example, Horror films. I like horror films. I'm fine with them, by all means. But I am not a horror buff like some people are. Now you tally. You're the one who tallied the votes. How yeah. many votes did a did a William Castle get? None. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah. He. Yeah. I don't think he. I don't remember seeing his name at all. I don't have the the full the full list in front of me. But no, he didn't get any um, that I recall. But I was going to bring up uh, Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I've ever seen any of his films. I I had heard his name certainly, um, in, although in, I because you saw Juno. Because they're talking about him, right? I haven't seen Juno in a while. Do they? They're talking, talking about, about him or Fulci. They both. They talk about both. both? Right? Okay, All right. I can't remember. It's the it's the worst scene in, in a movie that I don't like. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, there's, and that's the thing is because of you know because I think of both of them as like Italian horror directors like i i mix them up and i know that some people not some like a majority of people just think that Fulci's just a kind of a joke as far as storytelling and like creating suspense that he's all he's just gore and that's uh-huh. ridiculous and so but argento is actually pretty well respected um and so he he's on the list and he's and somebody Fulci is not Fulci is is not he didn't get uh, submitted neither did uh, george romero to my surprise not, is, e- not even once. That is surprising. I imagine that there's a number of people listening to this who just smack themselves in the forehead. Possibly, for, yes. For forgetting to put George Romero. And so, um, so yeah, like, he's somebody that, because I like but don't love horror, he's somebody that was not at all on my radar, but people think he's, you know, people who are fans think he's great. And so, by all means, have them on the list. I'm fine. I'm I'm fine with that. There's a few, there's a couple of horror directors on this list. It's and you know this might just be me. Like I guess we can use this to get into to older directors. Yeah. Someone like a James Whale was not submitted at all. Mm-hmm. I think he's somebody who's sort of been forgotten in spite of the fact that he. When we think of like the universe, like iconic horror films, he's directed three of them. He did Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and The Invisible Man. All right, and. You know, uh, talking about blind spots, I've never seen Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, and I know that it's one of those things like, like The Godfather or Toy Story or, in my case, the Bill and Ted series, where a number of people or Alien, yeah, where where a lot of people, rightly or wrongly, consider it better than the original. Um, I don't think there is all those ones I named, except for Bill and Ted, when 
Bogue's Journey is clearly better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that there is a right or wrong answer. It's just pre- like right. Um, I prefer Alien to Aliens. I prefer Godfather to Godfather Part Two. I prefer Toy Story Two and Three to the first one. Yeah. So, but uh, that's just a function of preference. I think I like the first one in all all those examples, except for Bill and Ted, because Bogue's Journey is better than Excellent Adventure. Um. Bride of Frankenstein is, is it's very, do, very good. Do you good. like it better than Frankenstein? Because I love I Frankenstein. I don't know. It's amazing. It's, you know what? It's different. It's, it's definitely different because I think James Whale was given a bit more of a free hand in the second one. Mm-hmm. And so you get a lot more of him because he was kind of a, I don't say this because he was gay. He was a flamboyant person. Right. He was just, you know, he enjoyed a certain type of uh, humor and he, re- and Kind of a kind of gallows humor at times, mm-hmm. and that's put forth quite a bit in Bride of Frankenstein, much more so than the first one. The first one's pretty pretty earnest, um, but the second one has a lot of like comic relief. But somehow the comic relief makes everything so much more tragic. Yeah. So the I, first one I is earnest. Like, yeah. But I don't mean to say that in a bad way. It's it's surprisingly, especially given how old it is, yeah. not stodgy at all. No, it, I don't think it so. It feels fresh when yeah. you watch it. Even yeah, it is straightforward, but it um, it feels it feels fresh, and that uh, is due partially to James Whale's um, uh, visual influence, but mm-hmm. also the uh, never hammy when it could be lead performance. Absolutely, as, uh, of uh, Frederick March as uh, not Frederick March, um, Boris Karloff. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about Dr. Frankenstein. Oh, Colin Clive. Colin Clive, yes. Yeah, I, okay. It's getting confused with Dr. Jekyll. Okay. Wrong doctor. Colin Clive. There's all yeah, kinds of doctors uh, going Colin on. Clive, yeah, Boris Karloff is Frankenstein's monster. Mm. Um, but uh, I've, I love Colin Clive's performance, even though I've just referred to him as Frederick March. Um, because it is, uh, it is delightfully unhinged. Like it is, and, and I, some people might say it's Hammy. I, I I'm, think I might say it is, but it's. I think he's committed to it. Th- there's a term that I use often when someone fully embraces that aspect of a performance, and mm-hmm. it's that they steer it into the skid. And I think Colin Clive, by choosing to go really quite mad, yeah. in that role, it actually saves it from being cheesy because he commits so fully to it. Yeah, you know. And and they and the whole film of this of Bride commits to that. Like the right. tone is 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 very different. I think I might actually like the second one more, but they're both wonderful. We just spend a lot of time talking about it. Someone uh, who is on the list, but I, I want to watch Frankenstein again. He's like, uh, well, this is the time of year for it. I'll lend yeah. you mine. Mine has both films on it. What does he say when he's like first doing the experiment with the two? He's like. One insane man, two very sane spectators. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, Great movie. But right. uh, uh, yeah, older. You know, let's get into the meat of it here. Um, we haven't given any numbers, and I won't give any specific numbers. Mm-hmm. But people who maybe saw our best movies, best characters list, we surprised that Citiz- uh, Orson Welles is not number one. I actually was not surprised by that, um, and I also think. That I'm kind of I'm okay with it just because you made uh, what many consider um, the greatest film of all time. Mm. This is not about greatest films, right? This is about greatest directors, and he. Um, he I don't know that he made anything that I would consider an outright clunker. 
but he had some he made some films that were less than cohesive in ways. Yeah, and some of that's his fault. Some of that is the studio's fault, uh, and and some of it is both. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I think. Mean, yeah, Mr. Arcaden or Confidential Reporter. What is the official name, Mr. Arcaden? Uh, his version is Mr. Arcaden. Yes. Um, that's not a bad movie, right? But it is not. It's and not altogether that. And I want to point out, you and I saw Confidential Report. Okay. I have since seen Mr. Arcaden. Is it better? It's immensely better okay it, it astounds me i was telling i was talking with a friend of the show jason eakin about this is that uh, as well as uh, blogger uh, kyle anderson um it astounds me and i know it shouldn't but how much of a difference just just rearranging scenes can be uh-huh. i've seen the studio cut of touch of evil and it's good it's a good movie yeah then i saw the wells cut oh my gosh and it's a masterpiece yeah i don't ever i've never seen the studio cut and i don't want to it's you know it was the only one that i because in the days of VHS, it was the only one that existed. And so um, so I saw that. And I was like, wow, this is really good. Yeah, this is, a, this is a good one. Orson Welles made a good film. Then I saw this other thing. It's like, oh, my, this is my second favorite of his films. And so I think, yeah, I think he's – I think the studios kind of having it in for him a little bit was bad for a couple of reasons. One is that it guaranteed there was going to be – after Kane, there was going to be studio interference – with anything he made with a studio. Here's the bad... So that's one bad thing. Mm-hmm. The second is that there are plenty of films that he would go and make on his own that he had total control over. And he had no one to tell him no. He had mm-hmm. he didn't work with anybody. You know, working with Greg Toland, working with uh, Herman Mankiewicz on Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. not that the... And, and uh, Hausman... Um, I don't think they said no, but he he was collaborating with them. Whereas when the studio was against him and he had like a threadbare budget and he had very little crew, no notable actors who would who would fight against him a little bit, mm. he was left completely to his own devices. Now sometimes it works great, like Othello. Othello. I think Othello and is amazing. My personal second favorite Orson Welles film of all time, F for Fake. Which is an amazing yeah, which is a crazy ass film, by yeah. the way. And <laughs> yeah. some people I believe you and I had a uh, we had one of those really thick like it wasn't Leonard Maltin I think it was like an HBO movie guide or something uh-huh. and that gave it like two stars and I believe they used the, a term that you and I said we would remember which was uh, Wellsian tomfoolery yeah was it that movie or was it Confidential Report it was F for Fake okay yeah yeah, uh, yeah Wellsian tomfoolery is a word that has the term that has definitely stuck with me <laughs> and so um, but yeah so <laughs> because as much as I love F for Fake it's the right term for what happens in that movie oh no question about it <laughs> And so, um, what's that? Nothing but lies about Pablo Picasso for no reason? All right. And so, um, so yeah, I, I am neither surprised nor frustrated that Wells did not make did not make number one or even in the top five. Can I uh, – there's a thing that is worth mentioning because Tom Sharping on The Best Show, who loves F for Fake, mm-hmm. always brings this up. There's a part – there's a scene in Effort Fake that takes place at a restaurant around a table. He's mm-hmm. talking, sort of holding court with a bunch of people. As he does. And there's a part where the waiter comes, and he hands off the plate that he's finished and orders, like, another <laughs> steak. And the funny thing that Tom Sharling points out that is so worth mentioning is not just that he orders another steak as he finishes his plate, but that he, as the director and editor of the movie, left that in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
yeah, towards the end of his career, Wells was a weird, weird guy. Uh, he, and he also, he wasn't necessarily straight up weird. He, he was that. But he also, I think, developed a perspective on himself that he didn't previously have. Like, he used to really hate, like, fat jokes and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But towards the end, I think he just sort and he got, he was, he would get really frustrated with his career and all that. But towards the end, he actually seemed to have a surprisingly good, not merely a sense of humor about himself, but, like, didn't, just didn't take himself quite so seriously. And, obviously, from a film like Up for Fake, didn't take his work quite so seriously. Mm-hmm. I think he just, I think he went back to what he said when he first came to Hollywood and said that, like, movie making in Hollywood, it's like, it's like the biggest train set a kid could ever have. Like, uh-huh. I think he started looking at it that way. Right. Um, and so, so he all, you know, as much, as often as he could, he did what he wanted and that's fine. But when you have someone who's kind of eccentric and, and admittedly a genius, his stuff is not necessarily you admit, gonna, you admit he's a genius. Like it's a bad thing. Well, it's, it's the word gets thrown around. I think a little, a little, uh, too frequently i think the word doesn't have the power that it used to and i right. think and and wait you and i are so geniuses though right no well, yeah like in the field of podcasting admittedly and so um <laughs> but that's the thing also i think a lot of people over the years have been looking to bring orson wells down and the first way to do that is to it was to say he's not a genius i'm looking at you pauline kale i know you're dead but um but yeah and so Still looking at you that's right. You, there's no way you can stop me now. I'm dead. I'm gonna look at you all I want. All, so, all, all, all the live long day. And so, uh, so I think I think for a while it became actually kind of hip to kind of crap on Orson Welles and be like, I don't know, he's good, but I don't know if he's a genius. He was a genius. And so, and I don't mean to say like I've got the definitive word, but like uh, let's let's remove posturing and contrarianism and just admit that he was brilliance and a genius and he did things his own way and he did things kind of for himself sometimes which means that he's not always going to hit with audiences which is why i think it's okay that he's not number one yeah um and i want to talk about someone who ranks higher than orson wells mm. and i think that's okay with me i'm actually that yeah i would probably maybe put him higher than orson wells too but i don't know if the word genius if we're if we're going to rein in this word genius mm. um does Stanley Kubrick is he a genius? I mean, Two thousand one is a genius film, uh, or, I, or at least is a, a good argument for him being a genius. I would say. So. You know what? I I think. Ah. I, I think it's hard to tell. I, I think it's easier to tell that Orson Welles is a genius because um, there's uh, such um, exuberant passion. Right into his work, yeah. You won't find that in a lot of uh, yeah, and that's why it's hard to say. Like, is Kubrick a genius, or is he just uh, incredibly methodical and incredibly uh, sufficient technologically and in terms of uh, construction and stuff? I, 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 th- I, th- I think I both. Think, I, th- I think I'm talking myself into thinking to agreeing that he is a genius, but it is. Yeah. We've gotten onto the sub- subject of the word genius and how it gets thrown around and you know we've said it two dozen times in the past minute and a half um but uh it it just got me thinking about what yeah you don't have to be like i mean don't get me wrong kubrick was by all accounts eccentric Mm -hmm. but i don't think you have to be like crazy and goofy with uh strange hair or insane eating habits to be 
to be a genius. Like, you can be cold and clinical and get yeah. the job done. Sometimes it's hard to... There's people... Uh, People who have a good head on their shoulders, it's hard to think of the, to realize they're geniuses. Maybe sometimes right. because there's because a go ahead. There, there's an assumption that if you're a genius, you are so far above all of us that you don't even really know how to relate to us. Right. That you would probably have some sort of social problem. Again, it's entirely possible. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick did have problems with uh, with people, and but yeah, uh, I, I've heard that he was it, kind of a gentleman. That he was kind of imposing. Yeah, but he was also kind of uh, uh, reclusive. Yeah. Um, Stan, yeah, that goes to... Yeah. That goes to the reputation. But like, there's uh, other directors who ranked very high on the list, and I won't say where, but yeah. um, Alfred Hitchcock yeah. and the Coen brothers, who, yeah. um, when it comes to the construction of a story on film, it's a good argument that they're genius. Uh, I mean, that's... They they, yeah. they understand it seems intrinsically it seems like they were born to uh, to make movies. It ju- that's the best way to 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 phrase it. It just it's it's just like it's in the genes. I would say the same about Tarantino, who who is who's on the list as well. Yeah, I, I said this in one of the paragraphs that I wrote for one of the directors. It's like there's certain directors that you wonder like. If they'd been born before movies, what the hell would they have done with their lives? Yeah. Because they clearly are suited to nothing else. I mean, I guess they could have done... Or at least not nearly as perfectly suited. Yeah. There's just... There are people that were... You can't can't imagine them doing anything else, but also, like... You also recognize you don't have to. Because there are movies, there is this person. It's like film willed this person into existence. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I realize that sounds really lofty and kind of pretentious, but like that is kind of how it is. And I'll, I'll mention Tarantino. He's somebody who, you know, I, I don't like all of his movies, but there is just, you know, you watch Pulp Fiction and in, I'd say Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards. I, my favorite fa- uh, film of his is Jackie Brown. But like, if you look at those films, and even even choices that he makes in all of his films, even ones I don't care for, like Death Proof, he just it, there's just something, and you're like, there's almost, and I, I'm reluctant to say this. You almost watch and be like, "Oh fuck you! How do you do this?" Like it almost makes you mad that someone has this ability. And there's plenty of people who learned. You know, you hear mm-hmm. about that, and they just slowly but surely worked their way into being a good director. And then there's some who just somehow they love film, and they've they wa- and of course Tarantino watched a lot of film, mm-hmm. but it's as if he has some sort of photographic memory, and he just absorbed it and put it into practice. Yeah, just know, you, just just by f- sheer force of will. You said Jackie Brown was your favorite film, and I came this close to agreeing with you because for years that was true. Mm-hmm. But Inglorious Bastards is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Interesting. Which also is interesting to me to think about, like, the day I saw it, and that was back when I used to, and probably should get back into, like, tweeting my reactions to movies as soon as I mm. saw them. And if you were to look at my Twitter from that day, it was it was in praise of the movie, mm-hmm. but with reservations, and saying, like, this is uh, not an excellent film, but a very good, maybe even a great film. And the more I think about it, it's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Well, you remember that uh, that I had major reservations about the film, but when it came time for us to make our list of ten best movies of the decade, yeah. it was on there. Yeah. 
because it's it is a film. I don't know what it is. It gets in your head, uh-huh. and just burrows around in there, uh-huh. <laughs> and then you can't get it out. Um, but uh, okay, so so we've been kind of jumping around a little bit, and that's the nature of what this episode's going to be. Are there any others that you were specifically old or new that you're like, all right? Either that you, how about just general surprise, Pl- general positive sur- or negative? Well, I mean, I was um, pleasantly surprised to see one of my personal favorites, Peter Weir, uh, mm-hmm. make the list. I'm, I'm looking here to see um, what else surprised me. Um, do you think if we hadn't done an episode on him recently, Mel Gibson makes this list? Because uh, he's on here. He is on here. And, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, too. Again, only four films. But uh, shows a, a definite hand. I I'll be honest. I don't think he would have made it if we hadn't. And that that speaks ill of who of the people that submitted him. By the way, it makes it sound like there's like, hey, there's this. I just heard it, <laughs> and I don't know what to do now. Like I don't I don't want to imply it's that. No, it, but, but it, I mean obviously the people who listen to the show mm-hmm. or the people who voted for these listen to the show and yeah. therefore it would have been in their heads because not saying we have some sort of like Svengali like power to like right. dictate what people vote but because these are listeners to the show and we did an episode on him recently it was in yeah. their heads FW Renau is very high on the list and part of me feels like oh perhaps he wouldn't be I'm sure he'd still be on the list but mm-hmm. perhaps he wouldn't be as high as he is mm-hmm. if we hadn't done a, an episode fairly recently on him as well alright um, the name of our show Battleship Pretension, mm-hmm. a play on Battleship Potemkin. Yeah. If you'll go back to episode 52, one of my 10 favorite films of all time. It's directed, of course, by Ryan Johnson. <laughs> uh, by Sergei Eisenstein. Um, and, of course, he's on the list, but he mm-hmm. is not as high as he should be. Yeah. People, uh, people need to go to film school, maybe. Uh, like, well, let's not, let's not say that. But his, his films, I think... He's a lot like Griffith, who's also on the list, and rightfully so. Um, don't get me wrong; I, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of uh, *Birth of a Nation*, and I haven't even seen all of *Intolerance*. But what I have seen is amazing. It's a, yeah. it's a real spectacle, and it's and it like he grew by leaps and bounds in between *Birth of a Nation* and *Intolerance*, uh, based only on on what I've seen, which is not a whole lot. Um, but yeah, someone like Sergei Eisenstein and, and D.W. Griffith, I think people. And again, the people that submitted him, they thought that he was one of the t- that they were the ten best. So yeah, that's I'm not fine. saying those people need to go to uh, right film school. I'm saying the people who didn't submit him need to go to film school. But I think there are some people, and and I might feel like this as well with certain people, uh, with certain directors. Um, you know, I didn't submit, you know, Melier or anything like that. And mm-hmm. so, I think there are some directors that everyone acknowledges. Well, the, yeah, they played a big role when it came to, you know, when it came to shaping film. But really, how good are their movies? And by the way, I don't. I, I apologize. I sort of adopted a tone there, but I do think that there is an attitude of like, okay, just because they revolutionized film, does that mean that what they did was good? How many people do, do you? Who directed uh, the Jazz Singer? Who directed? The, I don't know. Neither do I. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, re- that guy revolutionized film, but the jazz singer, by all accounts, is not that good. Yeah, and was it really? I mean, under that sort of studio system, mm-hmm. someone was going to make the jazz singer. He's just the one who got picked for the job. I don't know yeah. that it was that he 
revolutionized film, whereas right. Sergei Eisenstein was... Yeah, but he, I do he think... Did. But I think that some people might lump someone like a D.W. Griffith or a Sergei Eisenstein... Again, both of them on the list. Eisenstein not the, as the high as he should be. The Leap Forward was, um, was purely technological, mm-hmm. whereas um, Sergei Eisenstein's contribution in the way that he moved film forward was artistic. Yes, you... I hate to put it this way. You and I know that. Mm-hmm. But some people, if they hear all of these names, they think, oh, okay. Uh, Griffith made, like, one of the first feature-length films and, and revolutionized editing. Those are artistic choices. And they might think the same with, like, the Odessa Step sequence, which is well, what everyone knows the, about from I- Eisenstein. Let's talk about the difference between Griffith and Eisenstein, because they're okay. both very um, important. Mm-hmm. But And for those of you who did go to film school or have read a lot, this might be seen as talking down to you i'm sorry but i do want people to understand what they contributed um i think griffith was um editing certainly but less editing than it was about um varying the shot composition the Mm -hmm. way that he would go from a long shot to a mid shot to a close-up and and the way that he would choose those right whereas what eisenstein did was not just about putting this image or, or this shot before this one because that's the next one in the story, right? But specifically picking shots to go next to each other and choosing when to cut in and out of them, so that the edit itself would create a reaction in the in the viewer. And both of those things, film as we know them today, wouldn't be what it is without both of those moves forward. And I believe Griffith also... But I just don't want it to seem like Griffith was doing in America the same thing that Eisenstein was doing in, in, no, in it's, the U.S. I, I'm not sure. I'll put it this way. I don't know if Eisenstein could have done what he did the way he did had Griffith not done what he did the way he it's did. It's possible, yeah. Um, you know, and you'll, you'll find that a lot. Like, as we mentioned with, like, F.W. Murnau... Um, he was a great director, and really, to, in in my mind, when it came to the silent era, he was doing what very few other directors were doing. Maybe, maybe like a Fritz Lang, you know. And I can't really think of many many others that were really doing just just revolutionizing editing, cinematography, just the whole thing. And so it's almost like he was the pinnacle of what filmmaking was at that time. And I feel like that's what Eisenstein was. And that's what Griffith was. But that's the thing is, they're not good. They're not on this list only for that. Only because of historical significance. Their films, as we mentioned with Murnau, immensely watchable. I understand Birth of a Nation is not that watchable. Not merely because of the racial stuff. Mm -hmm. But like... But in you know, like intolerance, like I said, leaps and bounds as a storyteller, as a director of spectacle. Um, so Griffith is somebody that you can appreciate on a historical basis. But also, he was a good director. And by the way, he spent a good portion of his car- of his later career trying desperately to make up for the racism of Birth of a Nation. For example, Intolerance, mm-hmm. you know, featured a lot of that, and so. Um, so if there's anybody who ha- that has a different, it doesn't excuse a it, does, it doesn't excuse it, but but it makes him easier to praise. 
Well, <laughs> at least slightly. Well, I think it. I I think some of it has to do with the fact. I think he was. Tra- I'm not excusing it. It's still offensive to see. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think he was trying to be true to the source material that he was adapting, and it was based on a, a very popular book called The Klansman that mm-hmm. like makes heroes out of out of the clan, and he wanted to. It's like he's adapting a great book. I'm sorry. A popular book. Right. <laughs> um, slow down. Maybe I meant great in scope and size. Um, but uh, he's he's adapting a popular book, which means, of course, why would I want to deviate from that and piss people off? You know, I really want to try and make the great American film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but as time went on, I think he gained a little bit of perspective and been like, yeah, I probably could have done that differently. Like, I don't necessarily think that he was racist. Because if he was true racist, I feel like he wouldn't have any. He wouldn't think he had anything to apologize for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a very. I think he took a very misguided approach to how he made the film and how he adapted the story, and then realized later, like, oh, geez, because that's the thing. People they think that like, oh, since then we've we've really changed, and we realize how insensitive that film was. He got criticism at the time. Mm-hmm. There are people then saying this is offensive, so, so yeah, I it bo- it does bother me a lot that like the Directors Guild changed the name of their Lifetime Achievement Award. It was the D.W. Griffith Award, but then as time went on, they're like, oh, we don't want to praise this racist. And it's like, look further into it. You're only thinking about one film. Yeah. Admittedly, it's the big one. Yeah. Of his career, the, but come on. There's a great episode of The West Wing, wherein. Um, Josh, along with the help of Donna, has to decide whether or not to put a certain person on a postage stamp. Because yeah. this is a person who was for uh, statehood for Puerto Rico, I think it was. I think so, yeah. Uh, uh, something yeah. like that. Um, it's something that they can't be seen to, just politically, they can't support. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of a speech at the end, because I think it's the same episode, or maybe I'm conflating them. Where Charlie accidentally told the media that the president doesn't like, uh, I can't remember what it was. Green beans. Green beans. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, because CJ has a speech at the end, like, we need to stop treating people like they're stupid. People will understand that just Mm -hmm. because the president doesn't like green beans doesn't mean he thinks other people shouldn't eat them. And just because we think this uh, person deserves to be on a postage stamp doesn't mean that we agree with everything he had to say. Right. And so... um, the Lifetime Achievement Award wasn't given for Lifetime Achievement in Racism. Right. <laughs> it was given for Lifetime Achievement in Film. So that's clearly, that's the part of D.W. Griffith's career that you were trying to commemorate. Right. And uh, and so I think maybe we spent a little, a little too much time on him. But I do think when making a list like this and someone like an Eisenstein or a D.W. Griffith or, you know, Fritz Lang, Murnau, Chaplin, Keaton, all the guys that, that showed up here... Um, Mm-hmm. I think it's tempting. Well, no one would say that Chaplin doesn't belong on the list or that Keaton doesn't belong on the list. But, like, you know, historically significant directors, I think people are, are inclined to say, well, that's the only reason they're on. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's part of it. There's no question about it. But, again, the director of, of the jazz singer is not on here. The right. Lumiere brothers aren't on here. Yeah. You know, like, um, that's, yeah, there's something more going on than just historical. To change the subject 
to uh, variety, diversity. Mm-hmm. We have a good number of foreign directors. I'm very happy to see you know people from you know the more obvious choices like Ingmar Bergman to you know uh, Max Ophuls and Suzanne Beer. Mm-hmm. But Suzanne Beer brings another diversity thing to mind. Uh, I, I maybe I need to recount, but I think there are only two women. There are only two women on the entire list, and I don't think that our listeners are sexist. No, I think that uh, film has a long history, and it was largely a. And it's, I shouldn't say was as if, ever, as if everything's fixed now. Problem solved. But babe. it is two two directors on here. It has always been a you know male dominated uh, system. Yeah, um, I mean, um, and th- I mean, there are some women that maybe I think, um, in terms of diversity, we didn't get a lot in the we got none, I think, in the way of experimental film. So no. There's, there's no Maya Duran on here, which I know I'm a bigger fan of than you are. Um, I respect her, and it, though I make jokes, I respect Stan Brackage as well. Yeah. Uh, so even though there are women, I would have liked to have seen on here. You know. Um, uh, I am one of the smart ones who's been a Catherine Bigelow fan since well before The Hurt mm-hmm. Locker. Uh, I recognized the genius in Point Break. The genius, even though it wasn't an entirely successful film in Strange Days. I, yeah, I like Strange Days. Um, but you see what I'm saying? I mean, the Strange Days is not her... It's, it's not a crowning achievement, no. In the ways that it's bad, it's not bad in dumb studio movie ways. Right. It's... It's it's bad. A ambition that didn't quite work out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd so, say this. So is that is that disappointing to you that there are only uh, two women? It's it's here? disappointing. And when I was when I was thinking through, like, okay, well, who who possibly could be on this list? Maya Darren popped up, and then as I was thinking through, I realized I'm genuinely surprised that not a single person submitted Jane Campion. Yeah, I think we talked about that. Um, because, again, going back to our original thing, if this were my list, Jane Campion would be actually quite high. Um, yeah. not, not only would she be included, she'd be quite high on the list. I'm a, I love me some Jane Campion. It's, it is interesting. Um, and like I said, really only about f- between 10 and 20% of our subscribers, I don't know about our listeners, but our subscribers uh, submitted stuff. So this is now based on what my... My friend, who uh, is much more web savvy, they're like, anything over 10% is pretty impressive. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. Um, and based on uh, donations, I'd say that's about right. Um, <laughs> and so, but even then, even with only 10% of our subscribers submitting uh, names, and even if Jane Campion wound up not getting enough votes to be on the list, Mm-hmm. I at least expected one. Yeah. Well, um, what do we got coming up? Episode two forty will be on ne- our next profile. Yeah. And it's when I picked episode two fifty. We won. You pick. So I'd say if we had done this list after episode two sixty, Jane Campion might be in the Mel Gibson spot here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Indeed. That's that's a that's a spoiler. I usually we usually don't say where our profiles are going to be, yeah. but I can pretty much guarantee unless we can't catch up and we have to push it back to 270, 260 which, is going to be Jane Campion. It's something I've been wanting do to do for a long time. Episode 250 might be just some some kind of free for all as we tend as we sometimes do every 50 episodes. Yeah, that's a good idea. So maybe episode 270 assuming that we're 
we're still alive. Both me and Tyler and the world. Assuming the world still exists in 31 weeks. Uh, Is that a reference to like in a, the election or something? No, that's just, oh, that's just a general thing. Yeah, I, okay. I, I know like you're I wake a San, up, I know you're a Santorum fan. And I I, I kind of wake up every day thinking like. Is this, this is, the, is this the apocalypse? <laughs> how, how could you tell? That's right. <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, let's change the subject. I do want to. Oh. I do want to mention a couple of surprises that either weren't on there that aren't on here. Okay, good. Because whether it be segue into my thing. complete omission or maybe one vote. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Bernardo Bertolucci was nominated. What was submitted once? I think Milos Forman was submitted once. Pedro Almodovar was submitted once. The Maisel's Brothers was submitted once by me. Um, <laughs> yeah, how many documentarians do we have on? One. Errol Morris. Errol Morris, yeah. And I'm surprised that, the, that I was the only one to submit the Maisel's Brothers. I, I, like, when I submit, I'm like, okay, well, I'll get the ball rolling, and certainly other people will. And surprisingly, no. I feel like, I guess they have faded. Um, yeah. But you know what? Nobody submitted Michael Moore. I'll take it. Yeah, Bertolucci, I can understand. Um, I'm surprised. I'm also surprised at Pedro Almodovar, but maybe that's because I've recently seen The Skin I Live In, and um, well, I didn't love it like I have some of his other films. It's, but he's somebody who's been good. putting out compelling work for thirty, tw- th- twenty, thirty years. Yeah, twenty. And what's more is, yeah. I thought that and I'm not. I'm not. Here's the thing. In this instance, I'm not necessarily condemning our listenership or like shaming them it really is just general surprise yeah. who else did you I, name um milos foreman milos foreman yeah I, I mean i wonder if that's because he's not really I mean, he's, in the forefront of people's minds and um and what was his what was his last film Didn't oh he, gosh what he did he something done? since man on the moon right i feel like he did but i'm not sure now. and and man on the moon is Good, not great. People versus Larry Flynn is good, not great. If people go back to, you know, the Fireman's Ball and and uh, Loves of a Blonde mm-hmm. and the fi- yeah, and um, and then of course uh, Amadeus and One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Right. But yeah, maybe it's the fact that he hasn't. Yeah, he's just not very present. I, I was happy that I think Alan J. Pakula got nom- got submitted once. Mm-hmm. Now, once is only once. But I wasn't expecting him at all, and I like him as a director quite a bit. Um, well, this will... Okay, into my thing. Oh, all right. And then pleasantly right. surprised, okay. not a single George Lucas, not a single <laughs> Michael Moore, uh-huh. more Zack Snyder's than I would have liked. <laughs> Didn't make the list, though. Didn't, thank Take God. That. He wound up, by the way, Zack Snyder, a guy that we've established is not necessarily a visionary. Um, <laughs> not necessarily. He has a clear vision... But nine times out of ten, it's somebody else's vision that he's just bringing to fruition. Um, he wound. He's if we're if we extended this to like the top hundred and five, he'd make it. Yeah, he was pretty close. Yeah, uh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, but I, I wanted. To, I mentioned at the top of the show. Joe Dante is on the list. Yeah, did he get any votes? I think he got one. Um, and I wonder why that is. And it makes me wonder, because you know more about this era than I do, even though we both went to film schools, I like to point out from time to time, because I think it's worth mentioning. Um, we don't have master's degrees or anything, but we are qualified to talk about movies. Um, do you think... 
tangent. We'll yeah. get to Joe Dante in a moment. Yeah, I'm, 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 kind of, I'm being a little... I think anyone who cares about movies is qualified to talk about them. I was joking. I, okay. Uh, I agree. Um, on this show, I frequently... As a, as in a in an attempt to not sound like an elitist snob, who is very egotistical, I realize I'm pushing a boulder uphill on that one. But uh, <laughs> I frequently will downplay the fact that we went to film school and we both have film degrees. I play that down yeah, because I, I should because I recognize. I recognize that most people don't care about that. They're like, oh, you went to film school. I guess you me- your opinion means more than mine. And I've run across that attitude from time to time. So I try to play it down because I, I certainly don't try to use it as some sort of trump card, which I shouldn't anyway. Um, there was an episode that you and I were recording, and Jen, my lovely wife, happened to be listening. And afterwards, she's like, you know, you really shouldn't play down your degree. And I was like, yeah, but most people don't care. And she's like, they should, though. <laughs> because the thing is this don't get me wrong you can know film and have never gone to film school you can make great films and have never gone to film school like many of the people on this list that's not a requirement but at the very least you put in the time and the money and mm-hmm. the effort to actually get a, to to move somewhere go to class and get your degree a lot of people dropped out of our film school as they told us you know, as, as, as they told us when we first started, uh-huh. we didn't start, we didn't finish with as many people as we started with. Yeah. And like, and I think it's because people went like in thinking nom. like, damn right, man. Um, <laughs> we were in the shit <laughs> of, uh, you know, the South Loop, <laughs> Chicago. It's um, a lot less shitty than it used to be, by the way. Um, it's not here. So, so the thing is this, like, I, I'm still not going to. You are, of course, being facetious, and I wouldn't use it either. But it's something that that the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I need to be a little bit more no, prou- it is, not pleased with myself. I need to be a little bit more proud of myself I, that I did that. I was being facetious when I said that it's the thing that makes us qualified to talk about films. Because I really think anybody Absolutely. who wants to is qualified. But it does give some, uh, I feel at least, that it gives some weight to our opinions. And I think it's... All, for all the reasons you mentioned. But another thing is, if you are a self-taught film student, or film lover, rather, um, and there's plenty to be said for autodidacticism, I continue it to this day, even in terms of film knowledge. I didn't like, get my degree and brush my hands off and say, well, now I know film. I, I'm still learning. But as, I, as I've said, the, thing that I, the, the biggest thing that I learned in film school is how much I didn't know and will never know. That's the, that's the thing. If you are self-taught, chances are you have learned about films in a sort of arena of your own making mm-hmm. with probably like-minded friends. You've used the internet to seek out people who like the films you do. If you go to film school, you're forced to uh, interact every day for four years, three years, because um, we took our <laughs> yeah. uh, generals elsewhere. But um, for three years, every, every day for three years, you're forced to interact with people who very well may love film as much as you do and for completely different reasons. Absolutely. And that's a very helpful lesson. And, and you know, there's. I remember, I don't know if you still do this, but I always respected you for doing this thing with your Netflix queue, which is you never rearrange the order. Yeah, you you, they were in just you just left them in the order that you put the that you added films to your queue. Uh-huh. 
And so when a film came to you, you, you often were just like, I don't remember putting this on here, but now I have to watch it before I get the next one. Right. And there is something very film schooly to that. I had no say over curriculum. I had mm-hmm. no say over the syllabus. Whatever we were going to watch, I had to watch it. You know what I mean? And there's something... Mm-hmm. Some people might be like, oh, that's frustrating. It's like, but I've, I saw great movies that I never would have either known about or sought out otherwise. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I saw a great African film called Hyenas. Did you see Hyenas? Yeah, Hyenas is great. Great film. Really great. And uh, I, I, there's no way I would have known about that film. Yeah. You ask me what African film is, I'd be like, uh, d- d- do they have it there? Yeah. And, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah. Um, it broadens your horizons. It's you And know. I saw in... Uh, I saw um, a Cuban film called Memories of Under- Underdevelopment that mm-hmm. um, is not something that gets talked about a lot because it's not necessarily fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's not an, uh, 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 exciting and hip in that way. Mm-hmm. But I do see it as maybe being something that Criterion could put out someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, again, yeah, I wouldn't have seen Memories of Under- Underdevelopment. And in my ast- in my aesthetic aesthetics of film class which was part of the the sixth class core that you had to take mm-hmm. um my instructor had a speci- she con- she was a uh, a specific I, I don't remember exactly what she called herself but ba- she was an experimental filmmaker so she was not she spent like two weeks showing us experimental films so i saw a lot of maya darren mm-hmm. i saw Boonwell. did you say darren or darren I say Darren. Did that's how she said it. Yeah, because the teacher that showed me her film was called her Maya Duran, and that's why I think... Oh, I have to assume it. these people fight all the time. <laughs> um, but I saw Maya Darren Duran. Uh-huh. Uh, that's my favorite 80s band, Darren Duran. <laughs> um, that's a fast joke. And not a good one, but it's fast. Um, I saw Stan Brackage. I saw Boonwell. And I, aside from, of course, Unchi and Andalou, which we all had to watch in History of Cinema... Um, I would never have seen any of those films otherwise. And, man, it was great. I saw, in my German Expressionism class, I saw all kinds of Guy Madden. I never would have seen any of his stuff. Oh, you would have eventually. I probably would have eventually. But only because I would have, ex- I would have logically extended stuff that I had learned in film school. Mm-hmm. You know, if left to my own devices, I wouldn't have gotten there. So I, I don't mean to, to, to crap on people that are, as you say, self-taught. But it's like, man... I, I'm not going to apologize for film school anymore. Yeah, it's, other uh, people I are just other people are something. are just as qualified, and I'm not going to say I'm more qualified. But you know what? I am qualified. Screw well these people. And now put your qualifications to test and tell me, Joe Dante. I hope you're right about this, or I hope you know about this. Preston Sturgis, who is on the list. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about Preston Sturgis. Oh, unfortunately. Well, I was going to ask, and maybe one of our listeners, either film school taught or self taught, mm. can answer me. Uh, in e- email to david at com, um, was Preston Sturgis recognized and respected as much as he is immediately or do you th- I wonder if because he was making you know essentially because he was making comedies and comedies don't get as much respect if it wasn't until later because I think uh, the, sorry, I, I keep cutting you okay, off but I think jo- Joe Dante is just as strong a satirist as Preston Sturgis uh, and he needs to get that the re- the respect that he has coming. I think I think you're always going to have a problem with comedy directors. I mean, how many do we have on here? And I don't. And I'm not. I'm not even going to include Chaplin and Keaton because they are film canon. 
You got Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. You got Preston Sturgis. Is Albert Brooks on here? No, he's not. He wasn't yeah. submitted. Um, oh, you know what? He might have been submitted once, now okay. that I think about it. Um, but, like, okay, Woody Allen. I don't really see a lot. Uh, well, you know, Edgar, a lot we more. mentioned Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Oh, of course. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, you know what? I was actually looking at the things that weren't highlighted, and Edgar Wright <laughs> is. Um, but, like, yeah, it's there's never a lot of respect. So here's the thing. I don't know much about Preston Sturgis, but if I had to guess, I would say no. Uh, he probably was appreciated mm-hmm. because, of course, his films brought people in. Everyone likes a comedy, and this guy does it well. Good for him. But I don't think he was ever... He, and he might have been respected. I don't think he was disrespected. But I don't think if people at the time made lists of like the best directors working right now, I'm not sure if he would have made that list. That's all total conjecture on my part based based completely on what I know of comedy throughout the ages. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Would you say that Wes Anderson is a director of comedies? Um, His movies are almost always considered comedy. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I think he is, as okay. much as Woody Allen is. I okay, mean, yeah, fair enough. I mean, Woody Allen also made some... Yeah. Even, like, you know, Annie Hall is very much about some serious yeah, uh, personal subjects. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, it's a comedy first. I think we there's a I think comedy now in the sort of uh in the way that studio film stinks in general now. Um <laughs> things are more uh um like ghettoized by genre. Mm-hmm. And so a studio uh it says, okay, if this is going to be a comedy, this is going to be a comedy. And mm-hmm. so we get big, dumb comedies, you know, like, uh, I don't know, whatever the fuck Eddie Murphy's been in most recently. Like, that kind of stuff. Um, well, it's, I mean, Tower Heist, directed by Brett Ratner, yeah. who did not uh, make uh, the list. Number one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. um, yeah he's, uh, he's in that, and that doesn't look very good. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, but I, I think those kind of comedies are... And that's what we have independent film for. But I don't think we're going to be seeing studio comedies. You know, I mean, uh, Judd Apatow has some serious stuff in the in his movie. Or he tackles some serious subjects. But. Yeah, and I'd say Jason Reitman. Um, kind of the same deal. I think he makes comedies that uh, have some drama in them and that kind of thing. Yeah, and maybe my, maybe my thesis is... It's, I mean, Shot. this is not, but that's the thing is other people have said this, this kind of thing as well, just as far as, as comedy being ghettoized. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, every, for the last couple of years, we've had Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini on talking about the Oscars. And of course, a, a common theme is, yeah, once again, great comedies have gotten the shaft. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get honored at the Golden Globes and that's about as honorable as a podcast award. But, uh, but yeah, so, <laughs> well, I think that brings it full circle. Maybe we should, we should wrap up here. Anything else you needed to get to? Uh, I did want to, cause we're getting to that point in the show like last week where are I'm going to, I'm going to want to start wrapping it up. Okay. Well, I um, put, I put some Ambisol on a yeah. sore in my mouth. I know that's gross, Okay, but, uh, my lips are getting numb. It's going to be hard to talk. That's too bad. Cause I'm about to throw to you. So here's the thing <laughs> is, uh, 
And this is not about any one person on the list. Oh, I mean, it's about several people on the list, but <laughs> but it, I don't want to talk about anyone specifically. Um, because when making this list, and a lot of people emailed this sort of thing to me. They emailed list and then explanation for some of these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question then is like, Let's say there's a director. I'll, I'll, I will mention one person. Let's go Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott has, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, he's on this list for two movies. Alien and Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. You can say Gladiator, sure. You can say uh, Black Hawk Down, sure. Thelma and Louise, legend, White Squall. You know, not, like Not legend. Not legend. That, you know, don't get a, me back to the. Nostalgia that's a nostalgia thing. F- yeah. film. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't see that movie as a kid. I, I saw, saw it when about, I was older. I saw it about two years ago. Yeah. it is not. It is terrible. Well, I do. I, appreci- I'm going to go out on the limb and uh, I'm going to say it's it's a terrible movie. I appreciate the makeup job on Tim Curry. I think he looks really. I think really a lot good. of the, yeah, the, a lot of the design is yeah. good, but it's a in service of whatever. Yeah, it's a really poor. I mean, you mentioned Willow together movie. Yeah, make it a would, nice I, little honestly, double feature of Willow and Legend. I, I, honestly, if maybe choose, I'd watch Willow right now before I'd watch Legend. At least that has attempts at comedy that yeah, are actually and and, uh, and action. Legend is kind of boring. Yeah, Legend seems to. Okay, that's neither here nor there. Legend seems to, seems to take itself way too seriously, as if just like this is a le- this is all legends. What do you think of that? <laughs> um... But, uh, and of course, uh, so Alien, Blade Runner, and yeah, probably that Apple commercial. So, yeah. But of course, recently he's done Robin Hood, American Gangster, which I found forgettable. Yeah, I didn't care much for it. I didn't see Robin Hood. A Good Year. You know, he did Matchstick Men, which I, you know, I thought was okay. Um, you hated it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he hasn't done anything really compelling since Black Hawk Down. Um, so that was 10 years ago now. And before that, I mean, people like Gladiator, that's fine. I'm not a huge fan of it myself. Um, but before that, what, Thelma and Louise? So about every 10 years, he's got a, a pretty solid little film. Um, <laughs> but like, and so the question then is, d- does the last 25 to 30 years of, of shrug, uh-huh. artistic shrug, does that cancel out the two major contributions that he has made to great film? Now, I, I think the fact Scott's that he- on, the film, uh, on the list, mm-hmm. so for many people it doesn't. But the question then is like, I mean, think about it. Let's imagine Ridley Scott had only ever made Alien and Blade Runner, and he didn't make anything after that. He wouldn't be on this list. You don't think so? I don't think so. I don't know. I think he might be. I mean, I love those movies, and I and, but, and everybody does. But like, I actually think he. It shows that he deserves a place in this list even more. That people are able to see through the okay. as you call it two decades of shrug. <laughs> you know, um, I mean. Uh, Mel Brooks is the other one that I was thinking of. Like, yeah, he hasn't done even, even uh, it's been more recent since he's made a good film. But even Peter Jackson has been in uh, uh, a slump. You know, Lovely Bones was yeah. not well received. I think. I think the 
I think w- even when people like King Kong, they don't think that it's up there with the work that d- earned him. Uh, you, you, I think you like King Kong more than I do. Yeah, I do. I, I like it more than most people I know. Yeah. But, uh, I generally dislike it. I like Andy Serkis' performance, and that's about it. I like a lot. Of, I like a lot of the performances in it. I like. Uh, I like your uh, Kyle Chandler. I like. Uh, I think Naomi Watts is good in it. That's neither here nor there. It is not. An, it is. It's a. I like. I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fun spectacle. It is not the achievement that Lord of the Rings was. And it's not his best film, The Frighteners. <laughs> I'm joking. That's not his best film. But David, I do. That's, that's in bad taste. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do love The Frighteners, though. But. Uh, and so I'm not saying that it was wrong to include Ridley Scott. And you're you're right. If he had made if he'd only ever made those two movies, he might he might still be on the list. That's that's fine. But like but you know what's interesting is that those two movies were not not that they were panned, but they were not critically adored at the time of their release. Certain people loved Alien. Yeah, and you know what? It's going to be blasphemous. Certain people love Zack Snyder now. Yeah. And are you and I? You know what, David? We're going to start championing. Are we on the Zach wrong side Snyder? of history? Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> is, is our 300 and Watchmen going to be uh, as influential in in 30 years as Alien and Blade Runner are? Well, well clearly, the, t- I mean, the time comes, comes we'll, we'll flip flop. It's fine. Yeah, Zack Snyder's most influential film, obviously, will be Legend of the Guardians: The Owls of Gahul. <laughs> just as, just from a titling standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, <laughs> all titles in the future will be at least a dozen syllables. <laughs> so my question is this: so it's not so much that do the ba- do, do the two decades of shrug cancel out the two great contributions, but the question is this: this is a list of like the greatest directors of all time. Ridley Scott's not a great director anymore. He might have it in him, but he's not doing anything about it. But you said so. Like, I mean, so the question is, because like, here's the thing: is I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't belong on the list. I'm trying to break down like. So I don't if, know, this to me is is interesting. If, if trying Charles to Lawton this had out. made nothing but crappy films after Night of the Hunter, where would his place in history? I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's it's easy to when someone quits or if someone dies, it's much easier to say, right. oh well, there you go. But. Uh, yeah, Doug Stanhope has a bit about that, about how like people like Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix, it's like, uh, think what more they could have given. And he's like, how do you know? Maybe they were out of shit. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's what <laughs> I we mean, were talking about. I mean, like, look at the people who are still alive, you know? You want to buy a new Elton John record? <laughs> you know what? That's a, maybe a bad example, because a lot of people still like Elton John. Not the same people who like old Elton John, I would venture to say. Yeah. Um, and I, I love love elton john like his older stuff but no I, we were talking yeah, about that I, last last week we were with about elton uh, john we were talking about bill hicks okay That's, i just wanted to talk about elton john okay and like how i went through when i was younger i thought i was too cool for elton john it's like oh what the guy from the lion king soundtrack or whatever it is unfortunate and, where his career has gone lately but but uh, yeah you need maybe the uh some humility and the lessons of uh being a grown-up to realize that People can be good and then lose it, and it doesn't make the old stuff not good anymore. I remember there was a song that he uh, that he did in the eighties, the late eighties. I don't, I don't know if this is the title, but it's something like "I don't want to go on with you like that." Uh huh. It's a catchy little. It's undeniably eighties, but uh, yeah, I don't like that song. 
You don't like that song? I don't think I like anything past um, maybe... Uh, you just like those songs because they're almost famous. I don't even like almost famous. I know. That's why I'm making the joke, David. Right. Uh, I think the last good album was probably Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. And that has... Because uh, that has Someone Saved My Life Tonight on it, which is mm. one of my all-time favorite songs. Anyway. That's neither here nor there. Um, but no, it's... it's it To me, it's a good question is... When when looking at this is because is this purely a reflection of somebody's output and if they've put out at least two great movies that influenced not merely imitators but influenced like artists who you know I'm sure someone like a I mean Tim Burton who actually did make the list um, which I'm I'm actually okay with. Um, but like Tim Burton was influenced by German expressionism, mm-hmm. but there's plenty of people I'd say like a Jean-Pierre Genet. I don't know if uh, you know City of Lost Children would have happened without Alien or Blade Runner, you know, and just and it revoli- revolutionized modern sci-fi while everybody else was busy with like, oh man, Close Encounters, Star Wars. Like, yeah, I'm not quite so interested in that one. <laughs> I think I like it when the aliens killed you, um, <laughs> and so both from the inside and the outside, I like that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and so. I don't know. To me, it's it, it, it's an interesting thing because, like, are we looking at the director as as someone their embodiment of talent, or are we only looking at filmography? And if that's the case, how many great films do they need in their filmography to warrant? Yeah, I think it's maybe. I mean, both. I guess. I think it's how. What is the quantity of the quality Ooh. in their career? Mm-hmm. So. If they have a whole bunch of films um, and a number of them are very good, like Robert Zemeckis, mm-hmm. that gets them on there. But if they uh, only have, but in the, if they have a whole bunch of films, but only um, two of them are incredibly good, mm-hmm. like Ridley Scott, um, and that's a little bit because I love Black Hawk Down, but um, uh, that also gets them. So it's. Yeah, how much quality work is there? Yeah, it's 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 something worth considering. And I mean, maybe we even should have had this discussion before. I, I, if we had had this conversation, you know, a month and a half ago, before we started asking for submissions or while we were asking for submissions, I wonder if Ridley Scott would place this high because he is pretty high on the list. I'm, and I'm okay. I, I'm actually really happy with this list, despite the the, the problems that we've had. Um, I am as well. I think it. I think it reflects very well on you, listeners. Yes, and you can check out the list at battleshippretension.com, along with all the other great stuff that's there. Battleshippretension.com. You can find out where did uh, Rainier Werner Fassbinder rank? Where did Hayao Miyazaki rank? Where did Ernst Lubitsch rank? And other names that are fun to say. <laughs> Frank Cap... No, I can't play the game. I think I took all of them. Um, I had a while to think about it. You were talking about alien movies for a while. Fair so. enough. <laughs> yeah, that's... I was talking about alien movies of all kinds for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but And also, so that's the thing. The list will be up pretty much when you're... Probably when you're hearing this. Um, oh, definitely. It's going up... On the day. Yeah, and the episode won't go up until later in the evening, so... Okay. So here's what I'll yeah. say is, as you're listening to this... Go, I'm not saying this to like get people like uh, as a way of as a ploy, 
and be like, go look at our website. We don't have any advertisers. It doesn't matter. So like, yeah, um, no, go look at a website because it's worth looking at. Well, there you go. We went yeah. to film school. Damn right we did. <laughs> um, but also there will be blood directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who didn't make the list. That's, That's not lie. true. He's very, he's very high up. Um, but uh, they're not in the mood for your Jess and Japes today. <laughs> uh, I feel like there's some sort of, I don't know, ethnic slur in there somewhere. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, for vendors. The, the, oh, yes. Is a fun name to say? Um, got, got any others? No, no. Uh, uh, you know, who's not on the list. Who's that? Nicholas Vending Refn. No, he isn't. Too and soon, you're, and too you're, soon you're, to tell. Okay. Um, I thought you were saying too soon, like, oh, too soon. Yeah, you didn't hear uh, Nicholas yeah. Vending Refn died today? Oh, man. That's unfortunate. <laughs> he got shotgunned in the head. Does that happen a lot in Drive? <laughs> it happens at least once, and very memorably. You never saw Punisher uh, Warzone, did you? No. Oh. Is there a shotgun to the head? There's a shotgun to the face. And by the way, the face is gone afterwards. <laughs> that movie's dumb. That's the, one of the dumbest movie, movies I've ever seen. But if you're a fan of committed violence <laughs> um then uh seek it out what i was going to say is for, so after this episode goes up for the next 10 days you can go and read what you know what we have to say and what our various bloggers have to say about the directors why they're on the list interesting you know the films that they've uh, that they've directed that are notable that you can go and, and rent um so there'll be 10 directors per day for the next 10 days so Check in frequently and... Uh, and some maybe that you can't rent. That's is, true. I haven't checked recently, but is Max Ophel's The Reckless Moment available? I don't know. Um, I, I'll have to look that up because I tried to... Because I, I, all the uh, posts are, are put together already, and I mm. tried to make sure that if I listed a title that it's something that someone could get like i'm a big fan of orson welles chimes at midnight it's not easy to find so right. i took that so i made sure that wasn't on there so but it, the reckless moment it was remade about a little over 10 years ago with tilda swinton um how ah, the fuck is the name of it that's the d I the think. deep end the deep end that's a good movie yes um and i was lucky enough to see the reckless moment at the gene siskel gene siskel film center in mm-hmm. chicago at a time when it was not available on video on vhs or dvd i don't know if that's since been rectified uh if you could ever get a chance to to see the reckless moment please do so and the deep end while we're at it yeah, that's, the a, deep that's a good movie really good. but uh so yeah be on the lookout for that and uh don't forget as much as i've been crapping on the podcast awards it would still be kind of neat to win one the way i've been phrasing it is it's something for the Christmas letter. We don't get any... We get little trophies. Which, that's fun. Uh, something to put on my mantle here. Um, I'd keep it here, of course. Um, we'll switch off. You can oh, have it I'd, one week. I'll have it the next. I don't have a mantle. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, my old place had a mantle. I know. Why'd you move? Um, for love. Oh. Of money. <laughs> uh, so, um, well, you did... Uh, never mind. All right. Um, I was going to make a Gilligan's Island reference. <laughs> Island reference. But um, so podcastwords.com, vote for Battleship Pretension. And yes, if you felt like it, I would really appreciate if you voted for more than one lesson. What's going to hurt? It's not going to hurt anything. Yeah. Um, and you can vote once a day. For all you know, all those other Christian podcasts are uh, Fred Phelps. 
release now. I, I actually looked into all of them, and they all, actually all look pretty good. Oh, okay. So I was going to say, at least you know you're voting for a yeah. good Christian podcast. Absolutely. You, you want? Hey, you want to hear me get really, really angry? Not right now. Um, okay. Head on over to More Than One Lesson right now. Actually, <laughs> when this goes up, there the newest episode uh, will be an interview with my friend Toby. But the latest mini-sode uh-huh. is me talking about various Christian reactions to the film Fireproof. Uh, not Fireproof, I'm sorry, Courageous, from, from, the, the, makers ma- from the makers of Fireproof, of Fireproof um, in which people uh, sort of cast aspersions on other Christians for not liking the film. Because, of course... That seems like a Christian thing to do. No question about it. <laughs> Uh, as I believe I once said about Passion of the Christ, the general attitude seems to be like, okay, well, we had the Bible, and now we've got this. So we've got two things now. Um, and so uh, so I, 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 I don't get crazy. I, I was so angry that I actually wrote it down, and so I read from a paper. Oh, so that I would, as you've done on this show before. Yeah, so that I, would ri- so that I wouldn't risk going off the handle. Apoplectic. So, um, so you can go and hear that uh, as of right now. All right, well... Um, other places you can go, battleshipretention.com, for instance, or you can listen to us on iTunes. You can email us, as I said, at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension and follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com or on iTunes. You can find my other podcast, the weekly television review so review show previously on at previouslyonshow.com or in iTunes. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, and again, thanks to everybody. I, I I do apologize if we if we offended you and and your submission. Like if you were somebody that submitted submitted Ryan Johnson, but anyway. So I, I appreciate uh, everybody taking part in this. Like I said, I'm very proud of this list because listeners, you put together a list that is going to represent us. Yeah, and I think you did a good job. I think you did a good job. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.